0: So the color doesn't make difference, right? It makes
1: a big difference. Clearly, staff, it's things clear. Things. Well,
0: we've never played the staff, so... Yeah, we never so made it's it all that about far, the, yet. It's all about just whether or not we're wearing pink while we're winning or losing or whichever we're doing. Okay, we okay. are in week four. <laughs> so if you're turning to your lesson in week four, um, so far in this series, we have not played the game of guest so guess what? We're going to try that tonight. And I'm going to describe to you a person or persons, and you're going to have to guess who that is. Okay? So is the person a popular person? Okay, first question. Does this person have a robe? Second or third is, is this a middle class businessman? All right, so now you know it's no longer a woman, but it's a man. Is this person part of a minority? Anybody got something in mind? Nobody's got it? Is this person a priest? These are all clues, by the way. Does this person control the decision-making? Does this person belong to a larger group? And is this person, or this person, accepted the written word of God as inspired by God? Is this person in God? All right. I have one person that thinks she knows. Anybody else? Okay. Mm -hmm. The Jews? Okay, you're somewhat better. The Pharisees? The Pharisees. Okay. So in our lesson tonight, we're going to learn a a little bit about the Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees were an influential uh, religious sect within Judaism in the time of Christ and the early church. They were known for their acceptance of oral tradition in addition to the written law, and their teaching that all Jews should observe all 600 plus laws of the Torah, including the rituals concerning ceremony, ceremonial purification. Now, the Pharisees, they accepted the written word of God as inspired by God. At the time of Christ's early ministry, this would have been uh, what we now know uh, is called the Old Testament. And unfortunately, the Pharisees gave equal authority to oral tradition, saying that the traditions uh, went all the way back to Moses. Now, many of the Pharisees' doctrines put them at odds with the Sadducees. However, the two groups managed to set aside their differences on one occasion. Can anybody tell me what that one occasion was? To question Jesus. To question Jesus.
1: Challenge him. Challenge. Okay.
0: Um, that would have been during what? What happened during that time? So No. This is before that they were putting him on trial. Now this is the only time the Sadducees and the Pharisees agreed okay in all other times they did agree. So now what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at our scripture. We're not going to have you stand to read all the scripture because I want to break it down for you by scripture. And so if you've got your notes, and you should all have those, there's a section in there that you can take notes. I'm going to give you some, uh, there's the first section of this uh, study that is broken down into um, the first, I'm going to say the first, 12 through 21 will be the conflict with the Pharisees. And then uh, verses 22 through 30 are going to talk about how you can die in your sin. And so what we want to do is we want to look at uh, first the scriptures based on uh, verses, starting at verse 12. So if you've got your books, and look at uh, verse 12. And it said, and this, and I'm going to give you five different um, concepts here. The first one we're going to call or label it the assertion. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, Jesus is the only one that brings the light of salvation uh, to the sinful world. He is the light of truth. He's the light of wisdom. He is the light of holiness. He is the light of joy, as we've studied. And he is the light of life. And Jesus is also the light that never goes out, and the light to follow. God does not accept half-hearted following of Christ. We come to Jesus on his terms, not on yours, on his. And he does not come. and And if you don't do that, then he does not come at all. As told us in Matthew 8, 8-22. And I'm going to read that for you. Now Jesus saw a crowd around him and gave orders to go over to the other side. And the stripes came up and said to the teacher, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds have air. in the air have nests, but the man of God has nowhere to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead and bury their own. Now Jesus alone brings the light of salvation to the sin-cursed world. And tonight we're going to be studying a little bit about opposites. And if you know what opposites are, light versus dark, right? And you can go down and name a a lot of other uh, opposites. Now the darkness of falsehood is the light of truth. That's the opposite. The darkness of ignorance is the light of wisdom. For the darkness of sin, he is the light of holiness. For the darkness of sorrow, he is the light of joy. For the darkness of death, he is the light of life. And Jesus actually turned away uh, an eager prospect, um, but the Lord was not interested in making salvation easy for people. And is there anybody here that thinks that salvation is easy? I don't think anybody would be raising their hands if they thought that. Um, But he wanted there to be absolute uh, allegiance, obedience, and submission. And in Luke 9, 23-24, he says, "Uh, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For well, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So let's look at the next verse, verse 13. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Has anybody here been in a court of law before? Um, you've had to stand before a judge or sit beside him as you're a witness. Um, and usually it takes, uh, in a court of law, it takes more than one witness to be able to prove something. But Jesus in this passage is talking about uh, the Pharisees that are basically acting negatively to Jesus' claim. and They refused to believe him that what Jesus was telling him was true. And there was others that could say that they witnessed the truths of, of Jesus' claim. A couple weeks ago, we talked about John the Baptist. He was one of those that could be a witness. And then there was the 12 disciples. They followed they were with him all the time. The Samaritan woman, Martha, and those who witnessed the raising of Lazarus. Uh, those were all witnesses. And the Pharisees' skeptical, skeptical response shows us just how difficult it was for them to comprehend what Jesus was telling them. Now the next conflict we're going to call the answer. And Jesus answered in verse 14, Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Sounds a little confusing, doesn't it? And you have to be able to follow that. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I am Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of the two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him before, therefore, where is your Father? And Jesus answered, do you know neither me nor my Father? if you knew me you would know my father also now the testimony of one person can be true even if it's not supported by anyone else i mean you probably all have been in situations like that where you've um, basically you're the only one and you knew it was true so you know until they can prove that it's not then to you it's true when the scripture talks about two or three witnesses this was a means of establishing truth in the court of law, and that's where you see most people bringing witnesses to the court uh, to testify. But Jesus gave his enemies three evidences to support his self-testimony as the truth, each related to his deity, the very thing that scandalized them the most. So the first one is, He supported his claim by referring to his divine origin and destiny. So when you look at the scripture that we just read, it says, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. The second one is the support from the credibility of Jesus' testimony is based on his divine nature shared with his Father. In the scripture it talks about, yet even I... Even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. And then the third reason is, thirdly, the final vindication that his self-witness was true, Jesus rebutted the Pharisees' false allegations that he was his only witness. And in verse 18 it talks about, I am the one who bears witness about myself. And the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Now Jesus' statement was telling them that he was not judging according to the flesh, and the Pharisees were still not satisfied. And so this is, you know, a group of guys and you know, they again were their own rulers. And the fact that they thought like they did proved that they did not know the Father. And Matthew eleven, twenty-seven, and that wasn't in part of our reading tonight, it says, "'All things have been handed over to me by my Father, "'and no one knows the Son except the Father, "'and no one knows the Father except the Son, "'and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him.'" And although they pride themselves on knowing him, the Pharisees were actually ignorant of the spiritual reality. And then verse 20 uh, in our scripture passage tonight, it talks about, and we're gonna call this the area, and it's basically where this is happening. It said, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. No one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Now this is where Jesus faced, was faced with confrontation with the religious leaders uh, quite often. This was not a building. Uh, This is where the treasury boxes were located in the temple complex. And that particular area that they were referring to is called the Court of Women, the second most outer court. It was named this because this was as far into the temple that the women were normally permitted to go. Each treasury box was marked to designate where the money was to be used. And this also was the place where Jesus witnessed the the widow making her one-cent offering. And you can find that in Mark 12, 41 to 44. And then jumping back to verse 21, and we're going to call this section the announcement. So he said to them again, I'm going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your stand where I'm going. You cannot come. In, in John 7, 33 34 uh, Jesus warns the crowd. Jesus uh, said to them, He says, I will be with you a little longer, and I'm going to Him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I, where I am, you cannot come. And reality, the reality of truth is re- repeated through Scripture. Um, it is that those who reject Christ will suffer the consequences of their sin. Eternal separation from God. So by refusing the light of the world, they doom themselves to eternal the darkness of hell. And there's three passages of scriptures here in Matthew that talk about that. in Matthew 8.12, Matthew 22.13, and Matthew, Matthew 25.30. And it talks about, in those scriptures, about being cast into the outer darkness. And in that place, they will be weeping the gnashing of teeth. And so, there was a reason why uh, Jesus wanted uh, them to know um, what what a sinner uh, would be facing. And so, that's the first five uh, reasons um, through the scripture. And we're going to begin in verse 22. And in this section, it's going to talk about how to die in your sins. So, if you're not a, a... not saved and and know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Uh, this is a section that you want to pay close attention to. Because this is a section that really stands out as to how you can be a a sinner and not know Jesus Christ. So the first reason is by being self-righteous. And so verse 22 tells us, So the Jew said, Will he kill himself? Since he says, Where I am going, he cannot come. So here again, uh, the Jews were misunderstanding what Jesus was trying to tell them, Um, and again they were confused, and as we're going to find out, they they were were ignorant as to what he was trying to tell them. The Jews were being sarcastic again uh, when asking questions, thinking Jesus was going to commit suicide. The Jews abhorred suicide and believed those that killed themselves went to the darkest part of hell. The Jews assumed they were going to heaven, so the Jews suggested that Jesus must be speaking of killing himself, in which case he would be going to hell. But he would not die in his own hands, but rather the hands of those men who now mocked him. And it tells us that in Acts 2.23. What Jesus was referring to was he was referring to heaven and not hell. And the New Testament also teaches that no one can be saved by self-righteousness. Matthew 5.20 For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So, the self-righteous will never see heaven. The second reason why people can ensure such a tragic and eternal death is being worldly. He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. And what we see here is materialism and humanism, immortality, pride, selfishness are the world's hallmarks. It's utterly opposed to divine truth, righteousness, virtue, and holiness. Its opinions are wrong, its aims are selfish, its pleasures are sinful, its influences are demoralizing, its policies are corrupt, its politics are corrupt, its honor are empty, and smiles are foaming. Do you know people like that? Jesus declares the Jews antagonism and hostility to him as children of the devil, walking according to the course of the world. The third reason why you can ensure yourself a tragic and eternal death is by being unbelieving. And in verse 24 it says, I told you that you would die in your sins, but for unless you believe that, I am he, you will die in your sins. So unwillingness to believe the truth about Jesus Christ by its very nature precludes the possibility of forgiveness, since salvation comes only through faith in him. Those who continue to in unbelief refuses to embrace in faith all that Jesus is and has done, will die in their sins and be lost forever. And apart from the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ, no one can be saved. This is the reason we are commanded to go into the world and to preach the gospel. And then our fourth reason why people can ensure such a tragic eternal death is by being willfully ignorant. And so verse 25 tells us in a lesson, So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to, to judge. That he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. And as He was saying these things, many believed in Him. So here the Jews are, Again, asking questions about, uh, again, in the light of all the miraculous signs that Jesus had performed, nonetheless, Jesus did have many things to speak and to judge concerning them. Their ignorance was excusable. There was coming a day, however, when the truth of his claims could be confirmed so that he become undeniable. But the, minority, or the majority, in spite of the evidence, to believe. As a result, they condemn themselves to the ultimate die of their sins and never see heaven. So my desire for you tonight as students is to understand what this passage of scripture is telling us, um, to choose to follow Jesus. And if you don't, then you're just like those Pharisees that were questioning Jesus. They didn't understand, they were ignorant, this is something that uh, we as Christians uh, need to be very aware of what's going on around us. I mean, it's a lot of times we get caught up in our own little thing. Uh, Sometimes we let sports get in the way, we let um, things that um, we enjoy the most seem to take the priority over everything else. But what scripture here tonight is, and I, I consider this passage of scripture probably one of the most important passages of scripture that we're going to be studying, that first of all, you have to accept Jesus Christ as your person. And then you have to know that Jesus wants you to follow him. And what, that, what does that mean? You have to give up a lot of things. You have to give up, maybe you have to give up sports because that's dominating your life. Maybe you have to give up you know, other activities that you're involved in. Um, but in order for you to follow Christ, you have to deny yourself and to follow him. So tonight, I'm hoping that this has given you a lot to talk about in your small group time. Uh, This gives you uh, a little bit more insight about what the scripture is telling you, and and so I want you to um, really think about that and talk about that in your small group so that you really understand. it. So let me close this uh, in our time Prayer here and then we can be dismissed your classes. So Lord, I pray that your word is spoken to these students tonight and for those that have not committed to follow you and do so tonight. Open their hearts to then accept you and to we'll follow you from this night on. We love you, Lord, and it is in your son's name we pray. Amen. we are dismissed.